result of the outbreak, your city or entire region may be endangered by a lethal agent. If conditions at your location make this a possibility, you need to consider staying in place until the threat has subsided or blown over. It's in our DNA. We choose the way of earth. We choose the right people we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with earth and a way not to live with earth. We choose the way of earth. My name is Ansley Jemison, and this is the Ongwehongwe Podcast. I'm coming to you live from Ganondagan State Historic Site, the traditional homelands of the Seneca Nation people, or the people of the Great Hill, the Onondawatga. Ganondagan State Historic Site is located in Victor, New York, and I am now working here as the cultural liaison. However, this podcast is a little bit of a side hustle that I've been working on, and it's been a little bit in the works for a while. However, COVID did happen in our world, and it kind of sidetracked me for a little bit. But that does not negate the fact that there are really cool and awesome things that are happening across our indigenous territories, native communities, the Indian world, the Indian art world. And uh, forgive me for using the term Indian, but it's just something that is a little bit colloquial for us indigenous people, and we still kind of joke with each other about that at times. Um, However, we do prefer to be called indigenous or Um, Native, I guess you would say as well, First Nations, First Peoples, um, but also just who we are and what nation we are as well. That's appropriate as well. So today I am focusing and talking to artists who recently placed work in the Haudenosaunee Art Show here at Ganondagan State Historic Site. And one of our prize winners um, was so generous with her time and is willing to sit down and talk to me. And I want to hear more about who this person is, who this artist is. Um, multifaceted, an amazing artist, I, I have to say. And I've long watched her work and uh, seen the things that she's done. I aspire to be her at times. Um, you know, she's kind of like that that auntie that you would you have that's really cool and does really cool things. And um, I have a lot to learn from her, um, both as a aspiring and budding sort of uh, broadcaster here, I guess, but also just maybe as an artist as well, but more so as a person. Um, She's an inspiring person, um, does a lot of really cool things in her community and beyond, and um, she's one to to keep your eye on. So please um, introduce yourself and tell me a little bit more about, um, you know, where you're from, and and then we'll kind of dig in from there. So my name is Kajit Juni, which means I make flowers. I'm from Akwazasne, and I'm an artist, uh, educator, and a filmmaker. All of the above, for sure. <laughs> okay, so film is where I know you best, I think. Um, however, you know, your pieces that you entered and that you um, um, were awarded ribbons over was pottery, mm-hmm. um, clay. Tell me a little bit about those pieces and what was the, uh, is this a new project? Is this something, are you going back to something old or is this something mm-hmm. that you're still kind of growing into? Um, what is this? I actually used to do uh, pottery back when I was in at IAIA, like a long time ago. In the Institute of American yeah, Indian Arts. Yeah, I went okay. to school down there. I was into doing pottery and then kind of took a break from it for a long time. And then when COVID hit and I was at home, 
you know, for months on end, I picked up some clay and couldn't put it down after that. So I just took right off with it. So what was that like? I mean, you're getting your hands back into Mother Earth, figuratively and really. I mm -hmm. mean, you're, you're touching the earth, you're touching the clay, and now being creative. What are your inspirations? What are your stories? I don't know. Like when, I, when I'm working in the clay, I, I, I kind of always reflect back on our creation story and how we were created from clay. And I always think about that. And even when I'm, I'm working in the clay, when I first start, I hold the clay and I connect with it and I... I let the clay know who I am and, and, and ask that we can work together and that we make something beautiful that whoever owns it is going to love it. So there's a protocol to working, with, to working with the clay for yeah. you. And, and it's that connection and that asking permission, mm -hmm. you know, which is a really sort of interesting approach to, you know, working with this because I think that humans oftentimes just feel like we have this right to manipulate and do different things and you know change things mm -hmm. but you're asking permission yeah and with that do you find that the clay speaks to you and kind of talks to you or kind of tells you what it wants to be or what does that look like i think so um i have one on my my desk right now that i'm still waiting for it to tell me it's still blank but yeah uh sometimes i it comes from drawings like i'll, I'll be I'll, I'll sketch out the pots first and then they kind of come to mm -hmm. life and and sometimes they'll change the way they originally look, like something different will want to come out. Um, I've had experiences where I tried making something that I drew and the pot didn't want it. Like <laughs> I had put these like, I, well, I did these eagle feathers. I actually Im impressed the eagle feather into the clay so it had all the texture of the feather. And then I put it around the pot and I was working at it for like a week and a half and they just kept popping off, they kept popping off. And then finally I said, okay, I get it. Hold them off. <laughs> you don't want it on there. so. Yeah, so it became something a little different, but yeah, you have to listen to what the what the pot wants to be too. That's cool. So there really is a relationship that's being formed there, where you're living with this piece, mm -hmm. you know, and you're kind of seeing it as it's changing and maturing and growing, and you know, more things are happening. Um, but along the way, you know, there's there's failures. Mm -hmm. um, how do you deal with failure? I don't. I don't really think of it as failure. Mm. I think it's just part of the process, and I don't. I don't get too upset about it. I just think, okay, well, that's, that's the way it wants to be, you know, and just kind of go with that. I mean, sometimes things will break or stuff will happen like that, but it's just part of the process. Yeah. Just like life, you know, everything's always not, you know, downhill. you got to go uphill to learn, too, so that's how it is with the pottery. I've never heard that. Mm -hmm. um, that's a really, that's a, that's a knowledge dart. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so we're going to shift, shift uh, gears here a little bit. So clay, um, you know, you've, you've, you've done that and you've been successful at it. Well, hang on a second. Let's, let's talk about the two pieces that you, you entered mm -hmm. then. So one piece is a, so, so where are you harvesting the clay from? I actually get the clay from, I buy the clay up here. I still, that's still something I want to learn more about is because we have clay at home in the river. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's some of it might be toxic. I'm not sure because of the PCBs, but yeah, that's something that I still want to integrate more into my pottery. So that's, you know, more learning I need to do. And let me just pause you there quickly then. So home is along the St. Lawrence River, mm -hmm. the Akwazasne mm -hmm. territory. Um, and there's been a, a long history of pollution mm -hmm. that has happened in and around that area. Yeah. And I, you know, is it is it fair to call you an activist, I guess, in a way, or just more of a concerned community member, I guess, as I, I've well? I've been active in some on some issues, and especially on around water. Yeah. Yeah. And so water protection mm -hmm. specifically. Yeah. Um, 
So that little bit of apprehension in terms of like actually using indigenous materials or native materials and things like that comes from a fear of what has been potentially contaminated or potentially harmed. And, um, and I think it's a fair, you know, concern to have, you yeah. know, as to whether or not you want to be bringing that in. And it would be interesting, I mean, you know, if there was a way to confirm whether or not it was safe and whatnot, or, you know, is it through you working with it that you could heal it in maybe. a way, you maybe. know? I yeah, mean, that's that still a process I need to go through. Maybe next year I might have time to, to get into that. And actually, I also want to add materials to the clay. Mm. Yeah, so... More, more areas to explore, which is exciting. Very cool. Okay, so as I mentioned before, film is where I know you best from, I think, mm -hmm. and um, production and things like that. Um, and, and I know that you've had so many cool projects that you've worked on. Um, where, where does film fall into this whole thing? That's what I'm doing right now. It's kind of like my year for art in film. So... This year I was awarded a fellowship through Neotero. Okay. Uh, they fund indigenous storytellers. Now is that through um, a, a program in Canada or is this in the, it's, in the state it's side or? state side, but they, they um, fund indigenous filmmakers from the Pacifica area, like from kind of different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And mostly artists that are doing things like for the environment and protecting the environment and telling stories and yeah, you can look them up. but I. That just kind of fell on my lap early in the year, so they've been supporting me this year. So I did go back to school, I left my job over there, and now mm -hmm. I'm just working on film, and I've been able to concentrate more on doing my art, and I'm just really enjoying it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so you shifted gears a little bit here mm -hmm. then. I mean, previously you were working in a school. What school was that? or what I, were you? I worked at Salmon River School for like 20 years. Okay. So I did a lot of work uh, teaching culture and language and also uh, art. Mm -hmm. So I taught a film class for quite a few years, I think over 15 years. I did a Haudenosaunee arts class, mm. which was very cool. I really enjoyed, I missed that class. I really liked to teach that. I taught that for a few years. And that was a new elective course that we brought to the school, and they're still teaching it, which is good. So just concentrating totally on Haudenosaunee art. So they were making pottery and baskets and fans, and, you know, the kids loved it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how are you able to work that in and how are you able to have those conversations with the administration about like the importance of including something like this in, you know, maybe a, a, it's something that may be non-traditional, but it is traditional in terms of um, the education system of like New York State. You yeah. Know, how do you, how do you have well, that conversation? I was, I was teaching, but I was also the director of the Title VI program for the Native students at the school. And in our district, we had almost 70% Indigenous students. So... We got quite a few dollars from the federal government through Title VI to do that. So, so in a way, so you're able to use some federal dollars to go back and teach and work with young people to then, you know, further their knowledge mm -hmm. and understanding and connection to their own culture and their language mm -hmm. and things like that in a non-traditional setting, you know, in a, in a classroom and yeah. in a place that's, you know, maybe not always been the friendliest place to indigenous, you know, stories and culture and things like that. And they need that. They need that so badly. It'd be good if they had that, you know, across the board. You know, like you look at your your selection of classes you can take in high school, and yeah, I want to take Haudenosaunee arts. I want to take Native film. I want to do Native studies, you know, and have it there for them to take, you know, where they can they can sit and learn something that is familiar to them, you know, where they feel important, you know, like they matter. Absolutely. 
So now with you leaving, is there is there a void or is there still somebody who's been able to pick that up? I mean, you're a tough one to replace, but I mean, has somebody picked that back yeah, up again? Yeah, one of my, my nieces actually took over my position over there. And it was funny because I had wanted to leave for a few years because I wanted to, you know, work on my own stuff. And I was talking to my Lugany about it. And he says, oh, well, you shouldn't leave till you find somebody that can replace you. So I stayed there a few years longer mm -hmm. kept working. Well, that's very generous of you to do. I mean, it's... It's, it's difficult, you know, because again, people have, you know, desires and wants and they want to go off and, you know, follow their own passions and dreams and things like that. But for you to consider that and to take that into consideration when you made that move and to make that leap. Um, tell me, though, I mean, were you were you nervous about leaving the, the comforts of, you know, the the education program and things like that? I mean, it's a it's a steady check. It's this and that. I mean, like, but now you're into this whole other place where, you know, you're you're solely surviving on your art and yeah. things like that. I mean, I just, and that's a that's a strong belief you have to have. I was just having a conversation about this the other day with a friend, and she was saying, "Well, she said there's there's a good path, there's a bad path, and there's a true path." So I think like for a long time I was on the good path, you know, just doing what was in the comfort zone, and then now I'm on the. I feel like I'm more on the true path doing my own thing. And what about the bad path? Uh, not so much the bad path for me, anyway. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Well, good. Well, I'm glad that the, the true path is happening. And, um, you know, again, I think that the, um, you know, the ribbons and the awards and things like that are nice and, and come along with some of that, uh, the true path. Um, but I don't think it's about that for you. No. You know what I mean? I think that there's more to you um, that's, that's still coming out and there's still stories that you need to tell. Um, yeah. So what are things that you have that you're looking at? I mean, like right now, and, and you don't have to let anything out of the bag in terms of, you know, projects that you're working on, but, you know, with your film and things, um, how do you see film as like a medium um, in terms of how that relates to Indigenous storytelling? I think it's so important that we have more Indigenous filmmakers out there telling our stories because it seems like so often, like, people come in, like non-Native filmmakers come in and they want to, you know, tell stories about us, but... They don't. They don't look like how we would tell the story. You know, mm -hmm. you see, see a big difference when somebody's telling it from the inside and has that, you know, the understanding of our worldview and how our communities work and and actually knows the people that are there and you know understands boundaries of what you should and should not put in the film. And so yeah, I think it's important that we do do our own stories, tell our own stories. So again, protocol, mm -hmm. you know, kind of comes to mind. Mm -hmm. And and also, and I think, you know, just not to coin a, 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 a term from academia is that indigenous lens, mm -hmm. you know, and having that indigenous lens and, and having that ability to look through that and see that and not have to fake it or try to like improvise or try to, you know, react that. You're actually an insider. You're mm -hmm. a person that's in there and knows these things and knows how to move about um, but here's a question for you then, I mean, because I know that in work that I've done, my father's kind of dragged me into some <laughs> film projects at different times, yeah. and, you know, it's more gonzo journalism than anything, or gonzo filming, but how do you get indigenous people comfortable sitting in front of a camera, or even just sitting in front of a microphone? Um, how do you, how do you get people there to that place? I mean, that's a, it's a challenging thing, and I mean, I think that you bring a warmness to you. You bring a genuine spirit. I think that's something that I've always picked up on about you. Um, but tell me about that process a little bit. I think it's about building relationships, right, with the people they have to be able to. Because the Iroquois creation film will be shown in the orientation. Yeah, go see the creation story. <laughs> and again, just uh, for folks that are out there, maybe just tuning in, we are at the 
Seneca Art and Culture Center here at Ganondagan State Historic Site. So if you hear things in the background, there is a little bit of traffic. We are here during normal work hours, and so you're going to hear maybe some uh, announcements and things like that for people to go and see some of the exhibits and displays here. So mm -hmm. uh, relationship building, please, Junie. Oh, so, yeah, just like, like anything else, you have to build relationships with the people. They have to be able to trust you and trust that you're going to tell their story in a good way, like in a true way. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're a person who is, you know, steeped in your culture. You know a lot about that. Are there stories that we have that you feel are important that, you know, the outside world, the non-native world um, should hear and know? There's so many. I always kind of joke about that because I'm, you know, working on different films and I'm I think I could just stay in Aquazesta and make films the rest of my life and never run out of material. <laughs> Very cool. Um, what are ones that you've touched on so far that you feel, um, you know, that you've, you've wanted people to hear and know and um, what, are the, what are the stories that you want people to understand? The, my breakout film was Under the Husk, Ohologo Under the Husk, which was about our rites of passage ceremony, how we were able to bring that back to our community. Can you tell me a little bit about that concept of under the husk and what that is? I think that's a really cool mm -hmm. concept for people to maybe hear or understand. Well, it's, it's a metaphor. You know, a lot of our teachings are in metaphors. And it's it's like the youth is like the corn, and they're covered with all the husk. And, and as they're growing older, we, we peel, peel back those layers until we're ready to see who they're meant to be. And I think that's part of that process of going through that rites of passage is that they find what their gifts are and what they're meant to do while while they're here. And then when they come out from under the husk, then they're somewhat fully imagined or fully sort of this developed. They're on their way. <laughs> yeah, they're on their yeah. way and, and growing and, and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, so that was a breakout film for you. Um, can people find that any place? Is that out oh. there for mass consumption? How do people find that? Uh, Women Make Movies has been my distributor for my films, so if you look look them up, both of my films are on their site. So they've been really great at doing that. So you could uh, purchase those, like if you have a school, you could purchase the streaming rights to be able to play that in your school. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Now, have you entered any of your you know films or, or stories into any kind of film um, competitions or anything oh, like festivals? that? Yeah, festivals. Yeah, it's all part of the it's all part of the release of the film and. I learned a lot from that first one, you know, like I kind of learned the ropes of how, how it goes, you know, getting the film done and then then it goes through the film festival circuit for like a year and then, then it gets put on like Bingo on PBS, so it goes on there and makes its run on there for a few years and and then the distributor is, you know, to getting it out to the schools and the libraries and universities and all of that. So, yeah, both of my films went through the film festival circuit and under the Husk was really cool because I premiered at Imaginative and I love Imaginative in mm. Toronto. And so premiered over there and I had actually pitched my film there too, like two years before and won the pitch pitch award. And then it was cool to be able to go back there. And okay, let's put the brakes on. Pitch yeah. award. What is that? What are you, um, what are you doing? Like, and, and pitching how, the film. Pitching the film. I got that. I did a competition to pitch my documentary and had some other people in the competition. That was a real interesting the process. I had never done that. Yeah. And uh, I got an email saying, hey, would you like to pitch your film? And, and before I thought about it, I just said, yes, I'll do it. And then sent it. And then I was like, oh, man, I got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I do that a lot. That's yeah. all right. I mean, it's, 
it's learning in the process. And like you said, I mean, it's, you know, just that metaphor that you used earlier, I, I really appreciate it and love. Um, so pitching the film, I mean, like what sort of things do you have to bring to the table to, to get that, to sell that? What are you going to do? I think it has to be a, a story that's uh, something that's really important to you. Because they actually did a workshop with all of the people that were going to pitch and gave us advice on, you know, how to do a good pitch. And so you had the, some pitching coaches? Yeah, we had pitching coaches. And, <laughs> and she was talking to me. I told her my story and what I was trying to do. And I said, I do have, like, some, you know, video clips. She says, you don't need it. She said, just go up and, and tell your story. And that's what I did. Because you're speaking from the heart. You're yeah. speaking passionately. Yeah. It's something that is, is near and dear to you. Mm -hmm. Um and so this was on the under the husk story is what you what you won the pitch with yeah and so you're talking about indigenous youth coming of age mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe a view that a lot of people just don't know or understand what mm -hmm. the challenges can be for young people yeah. and to capture that mm -hmm. um, so you've you've worked with young people in the schools um, you worked with young people on that story it seems like you have an affinity to to work with young people in that mm -hmm. way um, what do you find fascinating or what do you enjoy about working with young people? I, what I really love about teaching is when, when the young people really find something that's their gift and they're, they're really in that and they're in the zone of that. I, I really enjoy that. Just like finding, having them find themselves, I guess, like little pieces of themselves. I enjoy that. And now have you seen anybody take off from which, you know, have they gone on to film school or has anybody gone on to follow this There's or pursue this? There's been a few students that have gone on to work in film. I had a couple go to school for it. Um, some of them are working in, you know, different places in the community with films. So. Very cool. And so do you do any kind of advisement work with them on that stuff now or do you still kind of help out or are you still a resource to them? I'm actually mentoring a, a couple people right now that not even from my community, but that are Haudenosaunee. Um, one of them uh, is Tuscarora. She's making a film on water. Her name's Stacy Rice. Okay. So she's a vision maker media. She got funding through them to do her production. So she's working on that. So mentoring her a little bit. Very cool. So it seems as though, I mean, you're kind of, I wouldn't say all over the place in terms of your, your focus and your attention in terms of art and things like that, but what are the things that you really like to do the most in terms of your art? I mean, what are the pieces that you, each one of them probably maybe give you something different, you know, um, but if you, if you could really kind of put your, your thumb on something in terms of like, that's what I really enjoy to do. I think like for filmmaking, I really like telling empowering stories of indigenous women because there's not a lot of those stories out there. And you know, it seems like a lot of the films are trauma-based. And, and you know, when I look around our Haudenosaunee communities, you always see strong women in every community and doing really cool things. And, and that's what our young people need to see, you know. In the outside world, too, they need to know that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the Western world is very, you know, paternalistic or patriarchy. And we're a matrilineal people. Mm -hmm. And during the time of maybe colonization and maybe sort of the interactions that we had with Europeans, the woman voice wasn't maybe always heard or maybe wasn't always known to be, you know, really, silenced. yeah, it was silenced in a way, but really had strong influences on those interactions and, and were very much a part of that, that process. Um, but again, it doesn't make it into the history books and, and none of those, you know, courageous women were really even brought out. Um, 
Yeah, that's a that's a thing too. You know, like that's one of the reasons why I like to make films. But then there's a different view on it. Like for us, like our our women weren't about like okay, I want to get my name in history. You know, that isn't that isn't our culture to be that way. And so it's a little different on the way, you know, the Western people write their history. And it's, it is patriarchal, but it is also you know based on you know making heroes out of people, like individual people in the collective. Yeah, it's more of a subdued um, sort of, you know, kind of humbling or humble uh, humbleness, I guess, about people in general, indigenous people. I mean, we're not very boisterous. We're not very sort of out there and kind of, you know, looking for all the fame and things like that. And we may know some people that may or may not be that way. But um, I think that it's a really inspiring message as well is that, you know, we've we've always kind of been pretty level in a lot of ways, I think, and, um, but also very powerful, you know, in terms of messaging and understanding and, um, thinking, you know, I think is something that's, that really comes to mind as well as the thought processes around even decision-making for the community and things like that. And I mean, for the future generations. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, in, you know, in terms of, um, what does that look like? I mean, as a woman, you know, what I mean, and now probably stepping into a role where you know people are coming to you to ask about like, what is the future? What does the future look like for us as people and indigenous people? I think we should be doing all we can. You know, we're only here for a you know short amount of time, and and it's it's kind of scary when you look at everything that's going on around the world. It can be really overwhelming. So, kind of like choosing the things that that you're good at and focusing on that. You know. So if you're a filmmaker and you can get out there and, you know, maybe send a message and put a message out there that somebody feels and maybe, maybe it changes a little bit how they act. You know? Absolutely. So this piece then is modern woman, you know, having children, um, career driven in a way. How have you balanced all that and how do you, you know, do all those things and also, you know, very culturally rooted as well. Like, how do you balance? And, you know, we talk about the two-row wampum. Like, how do you keep yourself um, grounded, I guess, in a way? Um, and having a foot in many different worlds, I guess, at times. Um, how do you do all that? That's the name of my production company, Two-Row Productions. Very cool. I really, I, I like the, the teaching of that belt, like having the, the respect and all of those in between the two partners, whatever it is, you know. Mm -hmm. So... How do I balance it? I think, like, as being a single mom, like, as my kids are growing up, I always, uh, I put them, I put them first, you know, I was, I was working and doing all of that, but I made sure that they, you know, had their culture, they had their language, you know, they played sports or whatever they wanted to do, and, and that they were loved and all of that, but I still did my thing, you know, and I think that's important for our young people to see us using our own gifts, too, and, and not, like, um, not using them, you know, yeah. you know, like you're an artist and do some art, you know, and you're a filmmaker, then get out there and do that, you know, and show them that they can do that too. Absolutely. Um, now the last we spoke, I believe you were delivering some art or picking up some art, I think. Um, and you had mentioned that you had a possible grandchild on the way. Oh, I got him. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, he was just born a few days ago. He's the sweetest. <laughs> Big round cheeks and like just silky black hair and he's just perfect. That's awesome. Now is this your first grandchild? No. No. He's my eighth. He's your eighth grandchild. Mm -hmm. My goodness, this woman does not age, I swear. <laughs> um 
It is amazing, Junie. Um, you know, all of the work that you do, um, the inspiration that you are, um, the connections, you know, and just just the really cool things that I've, I've seen come from you. Um, and also, I want to thank you, um, and maybe we should just touch on this briefly, is that you were just recently in Paris mm-hmm. um, following around a delegation of Haudenosaunee people as well as a, a known Paiute, mm-hmm. um, and you went out to um, do some, some documenting of um, maybe some of the collections that were held abroad in France, and um, Haudenosaunee art was there. Um, tell me a little bit about that. What did you see, and what were what, what did that what was that like for you? I'm still pinching myself on that one, but yeah. So I just came back from Paris not too long ago, and I was actually part of that delegation, um, advising on the the wampum and some of the, the material culture pieces that they had at the Brandy Museum in Paris. And they're going to be having a show on wampum in February. So the delegation was advising on some of the items they had and helping with designing the, the exhibit and some of the labeling and that kind of thing and and I got asked to do a short film that's going to be in the exhibit. So there's going to be like a 10-minute video on Haudenosaunee contemporary uses of wampum. Mm. So I'm working on that still. I've already got a fine cut of that. Now I'm doing another version based on the feedback I got back. But. And it was my understanding is that this may have been the first time that a Haudenosaunee delegation has actually seen some of yeah. this stuff. It was amazing. Like looking at some of those things that they had in, in the... In their collection, it, you really had to like see it, like really sit there and look at those things. You know, they look a lot different than pictures. Same as this art exhibit that's here. You can see people posting pictures of the stuff, but really, man, you guys got to get out here and look at the, the things that our people are making. and Creativity. Yeah, the creativity and the, the craftsmanship, you know, the, like the things that we've seen over in, over in Europe, like those things are made hundreds of years ago and just thinking about our ancestors like doing that like your dad was saying under dim light you know with limited <laughs> tools and yeah and just like amazing quality of the work that they did is just just blew my mind absolutely um yeah i mean it, it, it is inspiring and it's great to see and hear um and it, i mean what an amazing experience and opportunity for you to see these things mm-hmm. and also to be a part of that you know i mean i think that that you would be an appropriate person if I was to you know go down a list of like who are the people that should be there to see something like that and and to document it as well you know you're you're certainly on the top of that list um, and again I think it's just a testament to who you are and and the work that you've been doing and um, again like you said like that building that trust you know and I think that people um, trust you you know as a person as a filmmaker as a as a person who can capture that moment and capture those experiences in a way and tell those stories. Um, that's important, you know, and um, and it's something again that may not be a traditional art, so to speak, but you're coming from a traditional lens and a traditional value um, that helps you portray things in a way, and you can find either the nuances or even some of the humor in some of these things and these mm-hmm. moments and things like that, even when you're capturing serious things. Um, so you know, really, I, I want to thank you. I, I want to thank you for you know keeping an eye on my dad while he was over there. Um, and you were also the only one that was actually really posting and you know, putting up photos on Facebook so we could all kind of follow along with what your experience was. And um, 
and we were all kind of living through your lens a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. and just like how amazing it was to see the sights that you got to see and the places and all of that. It was crazy. <laughs> we were in the loop when there was nobody there and Versailles when there was nobody there. And backstage passes, like yeah. your all access and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, that's something that people just do not have access to. And, um, you know, that, that, that is so cool. I mean, and I'm glad you had that experience. Me too. I was really honored to be asked to go on that. You know, to be there and to be in good company with everybody that was there and watch them all geeking out, <laughs> looking at all the items. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, no, that's that's fantastic. And um, so I, I think I cut you off, though, before in terms of, like, the pieces that you have entered into the, um, the Haudenosaunee Art Show here. Um, tell me a little bit of, quickly, I guess, about the pieces. One had – both are, are pots. Mm -hmm. Both are pottery pieces. Um, one had – representations of maybe the three sisters mm -hmm. and the other piece had more of a representation of had some strawberry um mohawk popcorn. mohawk corn is strawberry popcorn yes exactly um and i got a little side story i want to share with you about that but tell me about these two pieces what were the inspirations and um maybe a little bit of the processes yeah so the the, the one is called sister love mm. so i i did that piece and kind of like a more modern take on the the three sisters I felt like a fashion designer because I designed their clothes that they were like kind of like they were going to go on the red carpet with the three sisters <laughs> and even gave them, you know, red lipstick and and then there I have their them holding hands and, and I was thinking about how when they grow in the mounds, how they're they're so connected, you yeah. know, and, and their the energy that they bring to each other helps them all grow. And I think that's how sisters are. You know, I come from a family where I have a lot of sisters and everybody has their own strengths we also have our own weaknesses and we kind of compensate for each other all the time and that's how those those three sisters grow together so that's what i was thinking about when i was making that pot i was thinking about my own sisters mm. and the other one i called it garden medicine mm -hmm. and that strawberry popcorn that's on that pot my granddaughters helped me plant that this year like i got some of those those corn from uh, one of my nieces from the community that was growing it, and she traded me for some of the wampum corn that my son had planted. Because I was using that corn to decorate my pots, and I, I it was falling apart, and I only had one or two of those, and I said, I need some more, and so she gave me that, that corn, and my granddaughters helped me to plant it, and then my luggage, you know, gets the garden ready, and it's always like a you know, family get-together to do that, and when there's a lot of us, it goes really quick to plant everything. And then we just keep, you know, watching it and seeing everything that's happening and then, you know, harvesting it and braiding, you know, it's all, it's all medicine. So I call it garden medicine. Though. That is so cool. Um, so the little side story was we hosted a uh, food cooking event here at Ganondagan. The Iroquois White Corn Project had hosted some uh, indigenous uh, chefs and mm -hmm. local community folks who do a lot of cooking and things like that. And um, an artist from your, your territory, uh, Natasha Smoke, had uh, donated, actually, you know, brought down some pots that she had made. And um, we were able to do some cooking in these pots. And um, one of the things that we made was um, we had some bear fat or some bear grease, and we were able to kind of, you know, coat the inside lining of the, uh, the pot because I understand that it helps with um, sealing the pot mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, keeping it from being able to leak and things like that because um, it does have a, a little bit of permeability still. And um, we used some of that bear grease and put it in there a little bit thicker. And um, we added some of the uh, the strawberry popcorn and made popcorn in a pot. Oh, cool. And uh, that was the first time I ever had 
Um, no need for butter for the popcorn. It, it was seasoned <laughs> with bear fat. <laughs> and uh, as my, my, my brother Arlie Docksteader says, fat is flavor. Mm -hmm. And um, that was probably some of the best popcorn I've ever had. And, um, you know, it'd be really cool to see maybe one of your pots um, at some point get used um, as a cooking implement yeah, and, and as a vessel, that. as opposed to just being strictly art that mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff has become, you know, mm -hmm. is it's just become cart and art and they're not being used functionally in a lot of places mm -hmm. as much. And, um, and I think that that's something that I, I, I want people to understand as well is archaeologists and anthropologists and people like that have gone around and dug up a lot of, you know, indigenous sites and things have come up that have come out of the earth. And people may not realize that our women were amazing artists. I mean, world-class you know, in, in a lot of it are. Um, yeah, thank you. And, um, you know, a lot of that stuff that was found that was unearthed and things like that, women's hands were touching those things. And, um, you know, that that's really inspiring to hear and to see the tradition continuing and um, for you to be recognized for the work that you're doing and what you're doing to preserve that that work is um, is inspiring as well. So, um, you know, Junie, Nyawe for your time and, um, you know, thank you for, for what you are and, and who you are and what you do. And um, I just, I wish you all the best and I look forward to see um, your next project. So, um, do you want to plug anything? Is there anything else that's coming up that you're kind of excited about or that you're working on? Or is it just kind of being, being Aksoda right now? <laughs> <laughs> I was doing something. No, I'm working on a, another film on indigenous women's seed savers, saving their indigenous seeds. I actually was visiting with Arlie like over the over the summer up at Becky Webster's in Oneida. Mm -hmm. Man, that guy can cook. I, I just wanted to film him because he'd just keep giving me food while I was over there. He's an amazing cook. Very cool. Mm -hmm. um, okay, well, Juni Fox, Yahweh uh, for your time, and yeah, um, yeah. you know I wish you all the best. Yeah. Ona. Power is in your heartbeat. Power is in your heartbeat.